Psalm 119, please. Psalm 119. We're going to be turning over there in just a moment and reading a passage of Scripture. So good to see everyone out tonight, seeing so many smiling faces. I know you're reacquainting yourself with brethren you hadn't seen in a while. And, of course, the brethren that have been here from night to night have been supporting this lesson, the visitors and uh, brethren from other places. It's just been a wonderful few days here. Debbie and I are leaving this place built up. We've come here to encourage you all, and you are encouraging us. And so tonight, I am so pumped. It seems like every night, I just it, well, of course, the whole series kind of builds. And tonight's lesson is no exception of connecting with what we have been talking about. Now, you said, Chuck, you said turn to Psalm 119. Well, there's a lot of verses there. You're not reading the whole book, are you, or the whole chapter? Well, turn to verse 97, please. 97. And I would hope that the, the words we're going to start off with tonight, because, well, what my favorite, you know, it might not be your favorite, but it's my favorite, okay? Well, I say that about a lot of verses, so I guess it's the whole Bible. But anyways, what we have here in verse 97, look what it says. Oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation all the day. You through your commandments make me wiser than mine enemies. For they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers. For your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep your precepts. I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. I have not departed from your judgments. For you yourself have taught me how sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. We've made mention this week of 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's, it's our attitude towards the Scripture that is so very important. Faith, our faith is built upon this. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 4 of how powerful that Word of God is, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's when you start doubting the Word of God, it gets us into trouble. That's why we, as Christians and those that are seeking, we like to be challenged. We have an open mind as we consider different things. We have learned since the beginning of time how not to act. Eve, I talk about her a lot. Because you have there in Genesis chapter 3, the serpent asking her, What has God said? And she tells him exactly what God says. Then he he comes back and says, You shall not surely die. And she doesn't say. How do you know that? Uh, Why would God lie to me? She doesn't ask any questions at all. And see, for you and I, it's all about relying on the Scriptures. But there is so much confusion today. But the confusion can be cleared up if people just stay with the Word of God. And that's what we're trying to encourage people to do. Tonight's lesson, just a different approach. There's a lot of different approaches to the same subject. Um, a habit of mine I have on, on in gospel meetings is Monday nights, I just do a different lesson on Jesus. Man, when you go back to a certain area and there's four or five different churches you go through, you better come up with some different sermons because they all support one another. But there's just a lot of different ways you can preach about the death of Jesus. You know, you can talk about the the story of Jesus. You can talk about why Jesus died and why was He crucified. 
Great lesson there. You understand how you can approach a subject from different ways. Well, tonight, we're going to talk about a very, very important subject. And and it has to do with with conversion. Do you remember in Acts chapter 8, and we made reference to this last night, in verses 35, 36, and 37... When he was preached Jesus, this Ethiopian, and then he says, well, there's water. What hinders me from being baptized? Well, folks, I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of things that can hinder people from being baptized. A lack of belief, which comes out in the text. Lack of sorrow, obviously, a person's not going to be baptized. Lack of concern, lack of commitment. Maybe just a lack of love for the Lord. But I'm going to tell you something. In my experience, especially from personal experience, that what hinders people from being baptized is their baptism. So what are you talking about? You know, I want you to seriously think about this. Because what's been surprising to me, you know, as you, many of you know, I've only been, I haven't even been in, in uh, St. Louis two months yet. Matter of fact, one of the elders got up and said, because now I've been away again in another meeting, I have preached more meetings in the last two weeks away than I have there. <laughs> but the point is, you know, when, when you think about uh, this subject, when I was in Newburgh, and, and you have brethren who have been leading songs, preaching, teaching Bible class, teaching the children, you'd be amazed at how many people came forward. Well, that seems kind of weird. Well, yeah, it kind of surprised me too. But see, when there's a failure to really understand what the Bible has to say about this, and this is why we're going to Acts chapter 19. That's going to be the springboard into our lesson tonight. And we're going to talk about four things here in just a few moments. But let's just go ahead to Acts chapter 19. And I know many of us are familiar with this text. But when we stop and evaluate this, it's going to challenge every one of us. And I mean every one of us here. Because what the lesson tonight will reinforce what we know to be true. And we can leave here with that peace that passes all understanding. Our faith is increased. We're strengthened. Or it might cause us to go, whoa, wait a minute. I didn't, I didn't understand all that was involved in this. Whoa, maybe I was like those in Acts 19. What? Like what? Well, let's read it. Verse 1. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, We have not so much heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Well, he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? Well, they said, Into John's baptism. Well, then Paul said, well, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. You know, we, we look at a passage like that, but it, it sets forth some very, very important principles that's going to help us to clear up some misunderstanding that exists in the religious realm. There are very, very few denominational groups that are out there that don't teach on baptism. Why? Because it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. 
And so we might be a little confused and scratch our heads sometimes. You know, when I was in Newburgh, Indiana, there, there was a billboard by this denomination in town. They took it out. They took out this sign. And, and, and to my surprise, do you know what verse they had up there? Acts 2, verse 38. And, and here's the passage there that says, you know, you need to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. Well, that's pretty cool. But they don't believe what, 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 what it is actually teaching. They'll talk about the fact that, well, you become saved and, and then you gotta get baptized and they'll quote that verse and you're going, I, I don't get it. Well, there's a reason why. And that's what we're gonna do tonight. We're gonna, we're gonna clear up the conf- confusion because what we had here in Acts 19 is that we had people that just got wet. And when I was in Newburgh, we were having people, you know, that, that, you know, they were convinced prior to that that everything was fine. And I'm convinced one of the most powerful wiles of the devil that's talked about in Ephesians chapter 6 is having people think they're okay when they're not. How powerful that is, right? Having people think they're a Christian when they're really not. I've been down that road. And you know, it, it's disheartening when, when somebody challenges you like, ah, you know, and I was in this denomination and people say, you want to study? Well, of course we'll study. I'm a Christian. Well, a Christian wouldn't want to study the Scriptures. Those of us that are Christians, in the biblical sense, you're here tonight, you want to study, you, you, you love to study. You love to worship God, as was mentioned in the prayer. You're here, it's not because of me, but because of your love for the Lord. And as we read in in Psalm 119, it's because you love the law of the Lord. You love His truth. And you're the type of people that says, Chuck, just tell it like it is. Josh, just tell it like it is. I can handle it. How how disheartening, how, how insulting it is for you if there's a preacher up here who doesn't talk about certain subjects because he thinks you can't handle it. How terrible, how insulting is that to you, right? You're sitting there going, hey, just tell me the truth, Josh. If it's in here, if it's what God said, that's what I want. Just give it to me. And we go, great. (laughs) We love that. Have you ever noticed when you preach a hard lesson that you'll have some people go up and come, man, I love that lesson. See, when you love the truth, you, you want it. And on this particular subject, we're hopefully our attitude in the audience tonight is, Hi, Chuck. Go ahead. Test me. I'll I'll, I'll examine my own life, but let's just see if I got wet. Or was I converted? And and how are you going to help me see that? Well, the first thing I wanted you to see is here's an example of people that thought they were right with the Lord. Here's an example of it, right? People have to acknowledge that. Here's the people that thought they were doing what the Lord wanted them to do, but they realized, uh-oh, that's not right. So, let's look tonight. Oh, I keep forgetting back home. I don't have one of these fancy things. I keep pushing the bar. I think they have one. I've told the deacons I just soon push the bar. So, what makes it so hard for people to see? Those of us that have come out of denominationalism, maybe some of us that were raised in the body of Christ in the sense where our parents were members, and it just took us a long time before we realized what we needed to do. And maybe you're there now thinking, you know, I should do it, but we've got some of these barriers that are there. 
well, maybe we're going to deal with some of those things that might help you tonight. But what makes it so hard for people to see? Well, might I suggest to you, first of all, is misunderstanding what the Bible actually says. This relates to last night's lesson. I told you we were going to make, make mention of this point. Turn with me over to Ephesians chapter 4. Remember last night's lesson, if you weren't here, we were talking about you can't preach Jesus, which was the sermon. You can't preach Jesus, I said. People want to preach Jesus, but we tell them you can't preach Jesus unless you preach about the Father, unless you preach about the Spirit, unless you preach that Jesus is the only way or He's the only one. You can't preach about Jesus without preaching the connection with Him and, and salvation. And so we talked about baptism last night briefly because I knew we were going to spend more time on that tonight. And so in Ephesians chapter 4, he mentions in verse 4, there's one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. You say, Chuck, that shouldn't create confusion. That should clear up the confusion. No, actually, in a lot of people's minds, because they haven't rightly divided the word, it creates a lot of confusion. Why? Because they're saying, well, I've been baptized. I've been baptized. When I was studying with Christians, I'm going, well, I was baptized. What about those in Acts chapter 19? If you'd have gone up to those people and just bumped into them before they had the conversation about the Holy Spirit and knowing what they didn't understand, if you don't get specific with people, which, by the way, happened with one of our members, you know, Kayla and Dustin... Um, moved to the Newburgh area, and I, I had held meetings where Dustin grew up at, and they were members there, and so when they came, and, uh, we accepted them as, as members of the body of Christ, and, and, and into our church family locally, because when they attended over there, and Kayla was accepted into that group, they asked her, were you baptized? And she said yes. Well, what happened one night after we were preaching, on this subject, I get a phone call. Chuck, can we come over to the house? House. I hope I said that right. And so, they they came over, and Kayla says, we're sitting at the kitchen table, and she goes, I believed I was a Christian before I got baptized. And she says, I only got wet. And we're like, well, we can take care of that. Okay. But see, if you, if you keep things general, uh, I have a sermon, you know, we need to be more specific in our teaching because what happens is, if you keep things more general, it's more palatable to many ears, right? You get more specific, it gets a little, a little bit testy. And so we need a, we need more specific teachings on subjects. And we, you, you just can't ask people, hey, you can imagine these people in Acts chapter 19, hey, were you baptized? Yeah. Well, hello, brother! Most religious groups teach baptism, folks. They teach it. And when you're talking about baptism, they're going, well, the Bible teaches there's, there's one baptism that is there. There's one baptism. And so, why would I have to get baptized again? Acts 19 helps us understand that in Ephesians chapter 4, when he says there's one baptism... What these people did under John's baptism was not the one baptism. Do you understand? It was not the one baptism. So somebody says, oh, did they have to get baptized again? Well, in the literal sense, they were never baptized in the first place. But if you want to take literally, I mean, they, they, they were immersed in water. The word means baptizo, to immerse. Yeah, they were immersed in water. They were immersed in water. 
But it wasn't the one baptism that you read about in the Scriptures. And so when you have somebody like the Ethiopian says, well, there's water what hinders me from being baptized. Well, you need to understand clearly what the Bible teaches, that it's possible that you can just get wet. That not all baptisms in water are biblical. Now, I'm going to be more specific on that when we get into these other three points. But I just want you to understand We need to be careful when we talk with people if we want to help them get to heaven. They'll they'll read that Ephesians chapter 4. Well, this is one baptism. I don't need to get baptized again. I've been baptized. And I I remember using that when I was studying with people because I was immersed in water. A bunch of us met by a lake and and I was immersed. But we have to be even more specific on this as far as helping people see clearly the lessons that we can learn from Acts 19 in and of itself. See, because we say there's only one baptism, but in Acts chapter 19, they immediately went and were baptized. Even though it says they had just been baptized under John's baptism. And John's baptism was immersion in water. And so, if we don't see that distinction right there from Acts 19, we're in trouble. And that's why we started up the lesson tonight, Oh, how I love your word. I don't care what the church teaches on this, or what my pastor teaches on this. What does the Lord say about it? And it's very clear from that passage that there was a difference between the two. Do we see that? And so we want people to see, okay, I'm not saying that your baptism is not right, but I'm just saying, do you accept the fact that not all baptisms, all immersions in water, are the one baptism of Ephesians 4? Do we see that? That's all you want them to do at that point. I'm saying, I'm not questioning you. But do you see that from the passage? And hopefully they'll say yes. Because not all immersions in water are baptisms. Okay. Let's expand. Sometimes... And it's a big thing, is that people think an understanding now can be applied to the past. Boy, I played that card one a lot. A lot of us that studied with people, you're going to hear that one. And I learned early on, an older preacher told me one time, Chuck, when you get studying with people, and I just did it, by the way, recently. We were studying with a lady uh, in in St. Louis, and I said, uh, so... So, what did you do to become a Christian? She went right down the line. Well, I didn't jump in and say, man, you're not even a Christian. I didn't say that. Well, that's interesting. I said, now, now let's just go look at the Scriptures and we're going to study. So, we were planning on going through all of that. But see, there obviously, people think they're Christians. That's what the devil wants. He wants us to think we're okay when we're not. He wants us to think that the way we think is okay. What do you think he did with Eve? What was he trying to do with Eve? Eve, you shall not surely die. So what's she thinking now? Oh, I can eat the fruit. I'm not going to die. Right? He got her to think that way. So we need to make sure our thinking is right. So now, when you go to Acts chapter 19, you'll notice clearly what's missing from here. Well, what's missing? Well, he says uh, in verse 2, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we have not so much heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. 
So you remember in verse 4, Paul said, Well, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who should come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. They didn't go, Oh, now I get it. Oh, okay, okay. I'll just apply that back to what I just did there not too long ago. You can't apply knowledge backwards when it comes to conversion. The reason why you ask people ahead of time is because when you start showing them the verses, they'll go, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I did. Well, wait a second. You've you got to be clear about this because people will think you can, you can just apply new information backwards and it just doesn't work. And oftentimes, that's exactly what happens. And what happens within that is that people just don't understand what has to be understood at the time. And if you don't have to understand, remember the Ethiopian? There's water what hinders me from being baptized. You go back there and read that text in Acts chapter 8. The preacher didn't tell him, well, don't worry about that. Let's just get you baptized and we'll tell you the understanding later. No, you have to understand things before you go down in the water. And not only that, what's missing from Acts chapter 8 is the preacher could have said, what hinder, when, he said, when he was asked, what hinders me from being baptized? The preacher could have said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Have you ever been in water? Yeah. Did you ever go under? Yeah. Well, you were already baptized. You were already immersed. Well, you say, well, that's kind of silly. Well, no, the, it, it's a perfect parallel to say, well, if you were ever under water and you didn't need to understand anything and you can apply it backwards, just go about teaching people and then ask them, were you ever completely underwater in your lifetime? Well, sure I was. Well, then you've been baptized. Well, you see the problems with that. And they think that you can and apply that backwards. All right, I'm glad I've got enough time because i really got to slow down with these last two. Because as we look at more at passages that deal with baptism, these others, and, and you have to remember number one and two as we go through this. But it's not going to make any sense if people close their minds and just say, I've been baptized. Sometimes Josh will get up and he'll give a, an invitation. And we just might think to ourselves, well, I've been baptized. And, I, and I've heard that invitation over and over, and I've got all that knowledge and all that information. Please understand this. If you don't understand at that time, you just got wet. That's what happened in Acts chapter 8. Before I bring that third point out, I'm going back there quickly. Did you catch? I know you've read it before. I know you've heard it. I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I want to make it abundantly clear because of what we learned from Acts chapter 19 is that there is such thing as just getting wet. We're not making this up. And the question for me and the question for you is, did we? Did we just get wet? So we're challenging that tonight. And if we take information that we have known and applied it backwards, and we didn't really understand at the time. Somebody says, oh, I remember when I was baptized when I was five. I went to a place one time, and, 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 and the, the new congregation I was preaching at, they said, you see that little boy rolling underneath the pews? Yeah, he was baptized last week. <laughs> what? Seriously? That, that, that little child? Now, here's the danger, is that little child, as he gets a little bit older and learns more about it, the danger is he can go, well, I've been baptized. I've been baptized. 
But did you understand, just like in Acts chapter 8, again, I'm not trying to get you to doubt your conversion. We're just trying to confirm what the Bible teaches, comparing it with our own life. And so when we get back to that Acts chapter 8 passage, and when he says, what hinders me, verse 37, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now, I'll have more to say about that in just a few moments. But you have to have that understanding before you go down into the waters of baptism. There are prerequisites. I think Danny has heard me preach this. Maybe even Josh. I think Josh did too. But, you know, I remember uh, one of our um, TV programs, a guy called me up. And uh, I might have to cover up the mic here. But he was really nice. He goes, is this Chuck? Chuck that preaches, do you not study the Word TV program? Yes, sir, you got it. He goes, oh, I just want to let you know how wrong you are. And I go, what? Well, sir, and he is, he is getting all upset. I go, sir, so what's that? He goes, there are no steps to salvation. There, where's that in the Bible? I said, well, well I, I finally got him to settle down. I said, listen, listen, listen. Can you repent before you believe in Jesus? He said, of course not. I says, isn't that a step? He goes, yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> he did. He said, I guess you're right. And he calmed down and we talked for about 45 minutes. And so you, you understand, and that's what the Ethiopian was being told, you, you can't go down there until you have an understanding. There are prerequisites that we're going to be unfolding as we go through this. Well, I've got to get going here. We're going to be here till midnight. I can do that tomorrow night because then what are you going to do, fire me? So, number three. Okay, number three. They think, been down there, they think that baptism doesn't have any have to be linked with anything. And you say, what do you mean by this? And this is a powerful, powerful point. So what do you mean it doesn't have to be linked with anything? Do you sing spiritual songs to become a Christian? You say, well, no. Are you to be a good husband and a good wife to become a Christian? Hey, I I took her out tonight and I was a good husband. I'm a Christian. Well, you you know that's not true. Now, you've got to be a good husband and a good wife as a Christian. We understand that principle. Do you take the Lord's Supper to become a Christian? No, you don't take the Lord's Supper to become a Christian. As a Christian, you have a lot of responsibilities. Now you understand the thought process. Because one of the dangers is out there is that people will say, baptism is very, very important. I've studied with people and they'll go, Oh, Chuck, I'm not saying baptism isn't important. It's very, very, very important. Not necessary for salvation, but very, very important. It's just something that you have to do, and that's what they'll say. That's why that sign was up there by the Methodist church, and they said that, you know, they put it Acts 2 and verse 38, and they said, and if you were to talk to them and say, do you believe in that? Well, of course we believe in that. You preach baptism? Oh, of course we preach baptism. Is baptism necessary for salvation? Of course not. I'm like, whoa, whoa, something, something's missing here. Because they fail to understand what it is linked with. Baptism is for what? Matthew chapter 16 and verse 16. Verse 15, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. I made the argument like other people. They go, well, how come it didn't say, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not and is not baptized 
will be condemned. How come it doesn't say that? And I'll say, look, all I'm going to tell you is Jesus is saying, I'm going to ask you three questions. What does it say in the verse saves? He that believes is baptized. What does it say that condemns? Don't believe. Which one do you want? There it is. Right? 1 Peter 3.21 Baptism does also now save us. It's linked with salvation. And, and, and people need to understand. And this is why Kayla, you know, Kayla was coming up and, um, and, and she was saying, you know, I just, I just didn't realize that. And, and, and Acts 2 and verse 37, you know, repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. Repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. Acts 22, 16. Why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. It's linked, and, and they don't understand that, that baptism is linked with anything. It's just a church ordinance. And we tell them, no, it's, it's to be born again. And that's Romans chapter 6. Because Romans chapter 6, and we'll read this quickly, and then I'm going to give you a bunch of things that happened and not too long ago. I, I, I couldn't stop the floodgate. It's not, to be, it's not meant to be funny. But I'm going to tell you, there was about six or seven members at Newburgh. You know, one would come forward, and then another one would come forward. I'm getting a call in the middle of the night. Uh, I had a brother that was working on the, on, on the lock and dam there on the Ohio, and he's calling from work, and he says, Chuck, come out here right now. I want to get baptized. Man, you, you've been leading songs. You've been leading prayers. What's going on here? I'm going to tell you what was going on here as we read this first. In Romans chapter 6, you know it. Do you not know that as many of us that were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Therefore, we were buried with Him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in what? Newness of life. If we be united together in the likeness of death, certainly we shall be in the likeness of His resurrection, knowing this, our old man was crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. So I'm sitting there, you know, with the table with Kayla and Dustin, and I said, uh, Kayla, go with Debbie, go in the back room. We, we had a big tub there that Debbie was going to fill up, and we're just going to take care of Kayla. Well, we're sitting there, and Dustin goes, Chuck? I go, what? You know, when I got baptized, I only did it because my friends did it. I, I, I just got wet. I said, well, let's take care of that one. Well, it wasn't too long ago, Matt comes forward. Matt, what are you doing here? He says, Chuck, because we've been talking about these specifics. And Matt says, uh, Chuck, I can remember I was in college. And I was home one weekend. I obeyed the gospel, became a Christian, went back right, right back into the college ways. I didn't miss a lick. I didn't repent. I did not repent. I didn't change my ways. You see, when you come up out of the waters of baptism, it isn't just putting off the old man. It's putting on the new. And when you repent... You do an about face and you turn to Jesus. It isn't just stopping. It's not just stopping. You know, if, if I went up to Debbie and, or she comes here and, and she's got two black eyes, you, what happened to you? Oh, Chuck punched me last night. He did. Yeah, but you know, all's good. He said he won't do it anymore. Didn't say he was sorry. Okay? He's just going to stop. So if you just stop doing the wrong thing, everybody thinks everything's fine. I used to use drugs. I don't use drugs anymore. Well, that's just great. I've talked to people in denominations. Oh, but Chuck, I've loved going there. I mean, I was used to be a druggie. I don't use drugs anymore. Well, that's wonderful. I'm glad that you stopped sinning in that area. But I'm going to tell you something. You have to be covered by the blood of Christ, uh, Revelation 1.5. 
Jesus, you have to be baptized into His death. But the point is, you need to have the prerequisites there. You need to know why you're doing it. And as I've illustrated a thousand times, and I'll never get tired of using this illustration. I've been, I've been picking on Josh lately, but let's just say we had uh, Cain. He comes over to the house for dinner. And I said, well, I'll go on in there. And Cain sees I'm kind of upset. He goes in the house and Debbie's crying. And Debbie tells him what happened. And Cain comes out and says, Chuck, you did wrong. You need to go tell Debbie you're sorry for what you just did to her. And I go, and let's just say he cuts me to the heart with his speech. I go, you're right. Go tell Debbie that I'll apologize to her next Friday morning at 9 o'clock. Is that going to work? I want you to think about that, folks. We might smile at that. That's kind of humorous, right? Well, why doesn't it cut? Why, why doesn't it cut it? Well, because what what, what happens at eight fifty five or nine o'clock in the or eight fifty five that Friday morning? I'm going to flick a switch. Oh no, I'm really sorry. The reason why people do it immediately is because they're cut to the heart. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. And you feel bad for your sins, and that's why, like, in Acts 18, or no, excuse me, Acts 16, Philippian jail did at midnight. You don't wait. There's water, what hinders me? Oh, man, don't worry, you know, you got plenty of time. No, there's urgency involved. You do it immediately. It is for their mission of sins, but it's linked with repentance. Now, if a person doesn't repent, and they go right back in there, and that's why we had a couple of others. Man, it was like a floodgate, and I'm like going, I'm not... I'm not trying to get all you brethren to think you have to get baptized again. Matter of fact, we had one, one sister come forward, and I, we remember Debbie and I studied with her, and we were saying, did you do this? You know, here's what the Bible teaches here, here, and here. And we said, did you do it? Yeah, I did it. Well, okay. <laughs> you know, but you, I, I don't want to plant doubt, but at the same token, I don't want people to have boats with doubt. Well, that's funny, come from a Canadian. So, boats with doubts. Uh, you got questions? You need to be, you need to be fully persuaded. Don't sit there and say, "Well, I was I was baptized." Most every denominational person out there says they were baptized. And you need to understand what the Bible teaches about this and what it's linked with, and it's imperative that we get this and apply those principles. We need to be born again. All right. Final point. Lesson, George. You've been very patient tonight. Chuck, you're making more of an issue than you ought to. I have a sermon that I preach based on the latter part of the book of John where, you know, when Jesus said to Peter, you know, don't worry about that. What about this guy? Don't worry about him. If I wish he never dies, what's that to you? You just follow me. What? He's never going to die and the word spreads? that he's not, this disciple, Jesus is like, I didn't say he wasn't going to die. I said, if I say that. You're not listening carefully. And so I tell people, I did a sermon based on that. Um, that's not what I said, is, is, is the sermon. That's not what I said. Now you have a lot of these things, you know, that talks about how important faith is. Faith without works is dead. And somebody will go, oh, you believe you can earn your salvation. That's not what I said. And on this particular one, we preach, you know, teach a passage on 1 Peter 3.21. And they say, oh, you believe in water salvation. I'm going to tell you right now, folks. Is there water back here? There is not a lick of power in that water. There's nothing special about water. That particular water. The power is in the Word of God. And that's what, you know, when you do what the Lord says, you have that confidence. It's not arrogance. 
People talk about when you teach that narrow truth, boy, you, you, you think you like you know it all. Oh, well, I know where all the answers are found. Having confidence is not arrogance. It's having faith. Faith in what God has said. And understanding what He says. We're not, I'm not making more of an issue of this than I'm supposed to. Because when you go to a passage, you know, here's where people make more of an issue. I remember using this passage saying, I, can't, I couldn't wait to go to class and show them this when I, you know, when I was in this denomination. I said, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Because I was told, when, before I went to that class, every time when I would go, before I go to that class, I would get some information. And they would say, well, Chuck, when you go to that class, ask them about this. And so I'm, I'm in 1 Corinthians and say, you're going to tell them about that passage there when Paul says, you know, I think, you know, I was not sent to baptize. See what they say about that one. And I'm like going, yeah, I'm going to see what they say about that one. Well, let's, let's read it. Because you see the problem here in verse 12 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Now I say that each of you says, I am a Paul, I am of Apollos, I am Cephas, or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, lest anyone should say that I baptized in my own name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Besides, I do not know whether I baptized any other. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ be made of no effect. Now, when somebody goes to this passage, I, I, I point out to them, and as you guys do, you, you'll go, well, did Paul baptize anybody? Well, yeah, he did. Well, I wonder why he did that. That's a good question. And do you remember what we read in Romans chapter 6? Did you pick up on Paul saying, us and we? He included himself. Know you not, know you not that so many of us that were baptized were baptized into Christ. He included himself, by the way. So what do you learn from this text here? Well, as I was taught back in the day when I presented this passage, is that Paul was saying, it doesn't matter who does the baptizing. Last week we had a young young lady that was baptized, and her, and her dad did it. Did I sit there and go, well, I'm supposed to do that. No, no, seriously, I, I remember I was in a congregation one time and, and a person told me, he said, Chuck, I got baptized, but the preacher didn't do it. And I went, okay. I remember one time this lady told me, I remember I get baptized, I, I wasn't wearing white. It doesn't matter. Seriously. It doesn't matter what you wear. Or, I remember getting baptized, there wasn't a lot of people there. Well, remember Acts chapter 8? How many were there? Well, the, the, the Philip said, now wait a second, what hinders us is I got to call some friends. Now, along those lines, here's the danger. It's serious. A friend of mine who preaches tells me. He's going down to this particular area. It's about a four-hour drive. He says, yeah, I'm going down there on the weekend. Because he preaches up here. And he's going down there on the weekend. I said, what are you doing down there? Oh, my niece wants me to baptize her on the weekend. Huh? You wait four days? Why not wait a month? You see, when you want to make a ceremony out of it, something's seriously wrong. If that's why a person comes forward, 
They're missing the, they're missing the boat on this one. Because of what we learned from Acts chapter 19, you don't worry about the crowd. You don't worry about turning it into a ceremony. You just want to be baptized into Christ. It's a personal thing between you and the Lord. And when, when, when I hear something like that, I'm sitting there going, wait a minute. Repent and be baptized. Godly sorrow leads to repentance. I'm really sorry for my sins. Can I get baptized next Friday? I've had people say, Chuck, I'm thinking about getting baptized. What do you say about next Friday? I go, well, I'll study with you next Friday. And if you're pricked in their heart and you're ready to repent and turn and follow the Lord, then oh, well, then we'll see what happens. But you need to understand, there's something missing there when you want to set an appointment up. And I'll tell you what, older ones can set that, that tone because I was in a meeting one time. The meeting was over. It was a Friday night. And we knew one of these young men that was in high school. He was lingering around, lingering around. And we visited with him early in the week. And we were talking with him and he says, he says, I want to get baptized. Everybody had left. It was in the country, way up in Canada. It was in the country. And uh, everybody had left. His parents had left. He said, I want to get baptized. And we ran out of the parking lot. We got to get things ready. Well, his folks had already left. So we baptized him into Christ. And we're in the car and we're singing praises all the way home. Singing praise. We get home, he goes, hey, let me go in and tell my mom and dad. You guys stay out here. So we're looking through the window. And he goes in there, and we can see him tell his mom and dad. And she starts crying, and she's angry, and she's mad. I should have been there! Why didn't you come and get me? Where's the joy? Where's the rejoicing? It's not about pleasing the parent. Do you get that? You don't obey to please the parent. You don't obey because your friends are doing it. Hey, why don't you come? I'm not going up. Well, I'm going. Well, okay, if you're going, I'm going. What? In Acts chapter 2 and verse 37, when they heard the word, they were pricked in their heart. And they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? And I often told parents, you know, your ch- how do I know if my child's ready? I don't know if there's a foolproof plan, but one thing I've used with all others, and others have done the same thing. You know, our son comes up and says, I'm going to get baptized. Dad. Well, why don't you just wait until next week? Okay. He's not ready. Because when he turns around and says, Ah, oh, no. Right now. He gets it. He understands. You don't put it off. And you do it for the right reason. And a person that wants to be prepared, wants to be born again, is the point that we're talking about with all of this. And remember, of all things that we've talked about, remember Romans chapter 6. The wiles of the devil. Because as Peter says, we have an adversary. We have an adversary. Please think about Eve. Please. Because when you think about Eve, she's over there doing nobody any harm. Leave her alone. Why are you going up and talking? Because he, he despises man. He despises God. He doesn't want you to go to heaven. He wants you to have a false sense of security. He wants you just to say, well, I've been baptized. Don't worry about why you did it or the purpose of it and all of that. People are going to think you just got... Don't worry, but don't even give it a second thought. But you understand clearly, folks, there is such a thing as just getting wet. And we need to make sure... I'm not putting more of an emphasis on baptism than the need to have faith... The need to hear the Word of God first, to believe in it, to confess Him before the man. 
with the confession. There's no power in my tongue confession. There's no power in my ear. No power in the water. But we understand the responsibilities that we have to obey the gospel and to become a child of God. And once you've been baptized, remember, you just don't go through life saying, well, I've been baptized. Well, because Revelation 2.10 says we need to be faithful until death. The, de- the devil's goals are just two. He just has two. Believe it or not, he just has two goals. Number one, doesn't want you to become a Christian. Number two, if you do, he doesn't want you to be faithful. Simple. Simple. So we have to do what we can to make sure we're victorious in the first and in the second, but it starts with the first. We have to be born again. And so tonight, where are you? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you fallen victim to the idea of, well, I've been baptized. And what's hindering me from being baptism is my baptism. Well, obviously it can't hinder you if you've been baptized properly. And so we're going to be singing a song of invitation that Josh has chosen. We're going to stand in just a few moments. If you have questions, but be fully persuaded. You you can have that assurance. Just like Paul, I fought a good fight. I kept the faith. Henceforth has laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Are you going to leave here tonight with that confidence, with that peace, with that joy that we've been singing about, and the fellowship we have in the Lord? If you're on the outside looking in, it's time to become a part of the Lord's family. But Jesus is the one that adds you to the church. We're not doing that. We're not going to baptize you in the church. You know what? We can help assist you to get baptized into Christ. Put off that old man. Rise up in newness of life. Follow the Lord. He adds you to His body and what enjoy all those spiritual blessings. If we can be a help to you in any way, will you let it be known as we stand together and sing the song that was announced?